And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. If you're down at the banks, maybe taking in a Bengals game, the final Bengals game of the year on Sunday, or you're just, uh, you know, down in that vicinity for a concert or a comedy show or a Cyclones game, whatever it may be, make sure you are visiting our good friends at the Holy Grail. Great food. Great drinks. They will get you taken care of and uh, support the people that support not only us, but every time you buy a sea light while you are at the Holy Grail, not only do you get the normal donation, but go to Cincy Light or go to Cincy Rains, but also the Holy Grail will donate an extra 50 cents from every Cincy Light purchased into the Cincy Reigns Fund. So get down there and support the Bearcats in the easiest way possible, one beer at a time. That's how Dave likes to do it. Yeah, you get a pitcher, and it's, I had one beer. <laughs> All right, let's get this show on the road. As, uh, oh. There we go. Forgot to get my make make me look good lighting going. Everyone's definitely was definitely waiting for that. <laughs> Hi Dave, how's it going? Good man. Watched a little bit of the uh Under Armour All American game today. Saw Monte Whedon on two plays within about five play span. Uh, have some some really good action, so you know, excited about that. Think he could, uh, think he could be a guy that uh, finds his way on the field pretty early. But what was your uh, what was your overall just impression of his game? What could you tell people from what you saw today? Violent, uh, aggressive. You know, the, they don't allow blitzing in these games. So right. the, the first play he made was kind of like a delayed blitz almost where it's like, okay, I'm just going. And uh, took on DJ Lagway, was the number one, I think number one quarterback, Florida signee, uh, Almost got a sack, forced forced to throw away, and then about two or three plays later, they ran a like jet sweep to a wide receiver, and he read it, flew in there, and just planted the guy for I don't know maybe two, three, four yard loss. Uh, he's just I mean he just seems like he's a downhill instinctive run and hit and try to I mean I feel like more times than not. And granted, it's highlight tape, so it's not every tackle. But more times than not, I get the sense that he's legitimately trying to injure whoever has the ball, based yeah. on the way that, the way that he's hitting and slamming these guys down. And we talked about it. That's him and Coleman. I mean, both of those guys do not play tentative. No, he certainly. I mean, he. I. I. I was you know not discounting or discrediting, but I was kind of wondering like how he got into the game and I went and looked at ESPN and they didn't have him like rated any necessarily higher than um, 
than we that 24-7 did or Rivals did. So, um, you know, I think the announcers talked well of him, talked well of his high school program. Um, I forget. I should remember this because it was a Florida State guy that was Darnell Dockett maybe. Is that who they said that? I think that's who it was, yeah. That was kind of his, I don't know if it was mentor or like youth league coach growing up. And then obviously he went to a, a strong, strong program in the, in the DC general area. But <clears throat> no, it was nice because some like, <laughs> you know how those games go. They're predominantly passing and guys are coming in and out. So like how much action is a linebacker? gonna get in a in an all-star game like that so it was nice that in the in the window that i was able to to watch some of it that i saw him make two plays yeah i mean a guy that fits a little bit more i think uh what the design of the defense is supposed to be that mm-hmm. they're they're clearly at that position and and on the d-line recruiting to fit and uh, he looks to fit. Hi, Pickle. How you doing? No, the camera's over here, Pickle. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, clearing up the, some of the other news of the day, uh, we now have three former Bearcats uh, that have uh, that have headed to Orlando. For a year's vacation, um, if you will, uh, as Deshaun Pace joins Brian Threats and uh, Miles Montgomery with the Citronauts. Um, Threats is tall enough to ride all the rides. <laughs> I mean, I could be allowed to say that. I'm short. I might not be allowed to ride all the rides, but yeah, I think he's taller than you, at least by an inch or so. But. Uh, <laughs> I'm also not trying to play safety in major division one college football, but that's neither here nor there. No. Um, it's, it's interesting to say the least, uh, especially on the back of uh, Pace making it very clear that he would like to have uh, reunited uh, with either the folks in Madison or the folks in South Bend. And uh, from my research, I don't I don't think that was an option. Uh if it was an option, that's probably where he would have been. Yeah. And uh I, I don't want to speak ill of anything. Oh, I'm I'm yeah, I mean I nothing, you know, they're not Bearcats anymore. There's no point in trashing or, or trying to, you know say yeah but or well actually i just it's just not something that i i mean i hope they have healthy seasons and and play well and give themselves a chance to earn a living in the nfl that's i mean you know no no nothing else really to me matters you know didn't work out here uh you know I think it's probably, you know, I, I think Miles, like, you know, I mean, RJ Harvey coming back, you're pretty much in the exact same situation you were before. Now, do you just, you weren't recruited by the staff, so do you just want to change the scenery? Do you want to get back to Florida? 
two things that I'm a hundred percent okay with. But if you think if if the main if truly the main reason you were looking at your options is because you felt you are RB one, well, you certainly are not that there. No, I mean that's a guy that's that's probably in a better. I mean, he's situation. one of the top, top five leading returning rushers in the country. Right. Uh, what I'm saying is, like, in terms of like, here, Miles was one B. Like, yeah. he was right there with Corey at the top of the roster. He's going to be two at best mm -hmm. in Orlando. Yeah. Like, he is not going to be RB1 down there. Like, if, if so. RJ Harvey is healthy and the game is close in any way, shape, or form, he's not coming out. He's a right. great receiving threat. Like, he's obviously a good running. Like, you know, that one was an interesting one to me based on what we had heard as far as the reasoning behind it. Um, you know, so, again, I wish them all the best of luck. You know, I have no, you know, they're not Bearcats. I'm not going to busmarch them. Publicly, at least. <laughs> I think the situation is all very, like, the way that it played out tells you all that you need to know, is, I, I think, the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think, you know, you can, you can do some, some good tea, re, tea leave uh, reading and some, some inferring. Um, yeah, and without us having to spell it all out. And look, Cincinnati is going to, whatever the situation was with threats and and pace, they were the two leading tacklers on this team. There are holes that need to be filled with the departure sure. of those two. That That's not to say anything different. No. But I, I think it was very clear that people – working on the seventh floor of the lender center felt that the, the best direction for the program was a different direction. Right. I mean, I think it was from that standpoint, everybody there probably felt like this is not an ideal situation. I mean, in what world do you want to have, do you want to voluntarily have to replace your two leading tacklers who, ha who have the option of coming back? Right. So, you know, it's not something that they just fly by night. We're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Like, you know, we don't, we literally don't care. Like, I don't think that was the case at all. Um, right. But at some point, you know, I'll use the word that I hate to use, culture. You know, if you're trying to build a program and rebound from a pretty wretched, dreadful on-field season, Sometimes hard decisions have to be made. Right. And it might not, uh, it might, it might not, you know, we might look back at this time next year and be like, they probably should have just tried to figure it out. Right. But that's not our call. We're not, you know. And, and but I, I think there's also a part of it, Dave, where even, even if that happens, like if they weren't part of your long-term vision for this program, it's best for everybody to rip the bandaid off. Like, absolutely. If you've made that decision and then you don't act on it, well, it's, it's just not I a mean, great look. Right. It's like any anything else. You know, 
well, you can keep it in sports, but it's like the moment you know a coach isn't going to work, like there's no sense in like hoping that things like you're going to hurt yourself and your program a lot more, you know, thinking that it might get better, hoping it might get better because you're afraid of some element of it or a player that, you know, whether you brought him in or the previous staff brought him in, you know, it's, I'm sure it sucks to have these conversations and, you know, guys come to whatever school they go to, hopes and dreams of, you know, I don't think anybody goes to school, you know, there might be some at this point, but I don't think kids really go to school as 17, 18 year olds thinking, oh, I'll just do, so, I'll do something here and then I'll transfer. Like they're, right. they're, they're, they're picking a school because they want it to work out um you know they want it to they want it to work out they want to have a great career they want to be remembered as a great bearcat or great whatever and then move on to the nfl and come back and have people talking about how great they are and how great it is that they went to like so you know but that doesn't that clearly with the way the portal is now clearly doesn't happen uh too often anymore no, it does not. Um, breaking news, Dave. Cincinnati just offered uh, the number one basketball player in the country in the class of uh, 2025, A.J. Dibansa. You, you, good. Yeah, you pronounce that. I believe that's what it is, Dibansa. Dibansa. Um, yeah. He, must, he sure. must be pretty good. He's very, very good. He's the number one player in the country. Uh yeah, I mean he was he wasn't um Cooper Flag was ahead of him before Cooper Flag reclassified. Yeah. But there was I mean there was starting to be some conversation as to uh should should those two be kind of in the same uh conversation. Well, he's originally a 2026. Right, and moved up to 2025. Yeah. He's he he gets buckets. <laughs> well, we could um, use some of that. Yes. I mean, any anytime you could, you know. But if you if you scroll down, here here are some of his most recent offers. Cincinnati, oh, yeah. UK, Kentucky, November. Baylor, North Carolina, USC, Auburn, LSU. I mean, he's he's a six foot eight, like he he's it's what everybody wants. He's a big jumbo six eight wing. Mm-hmm. He's not a stretch four. He's not a guy you're gonna have to play down. He's a bucket getting six foot eight wing. So, do we have connections at Prolific Prep? Uh, they've got connections a little bit of everywhere. Or I don't whatever, know that there's or whatever AAU team he plays for. Yeah, that's I was trying to remember who he ran with. Uh, oh, Expressions Elite. Um, that's an yeah, I would that's a Northeast um program so. They they do usually have connections up there. I'd have to do a little more digging. I wasn't uh, 
I wasn't dialed in on them making that offer tonight. So yeah. I'd have to do a little bit more research. But basically, the kid has been offered by wherever he wants to go. Yeah, that's the thing with like, <laughs> these kind of guys. It's it's not even that he's been offered. It's like, okay, so he tweets out these offers. But if he wants to go to a school, that he's just going to pick up the phone and be like, I want to go play for you. And 99% of the time that team is going to go, okay, you have an offer now. You can go ahead and commit. <laughs> yes. You're not, like, you're not telling him no. Like that's the thing I, I kind of laugh at like the Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, like offering guys at that level at like the top, top five-star level, because they know if that kid has always dreamed of playing at Duke, they don't really have to offer him. He's just going to tell them, you know, I want right. to take an official visit and then he's going to go, okay, I like it. I'm coming. They're going to go, okay, great. Glad great. to have you. Yeah. Welcome Cooper flag. A, a, a public offer doesn't really need to be a Change thing. A whole lot, no. Uh, so there's that. Um, the portal visit window opened back up today. Uh, we have a ton. Uh, that name that we were talking about before the show was on the list that I sent you earlier. Anyway, yes, the one that you put up. So, yeah. Um, but uh. Five expected five visitors tonight slash into tomorrow. Yes, uh, this maybe is, without this is, names unless they put it on social. But a, a brief summary of what we're looking at here. Uh, you want me to do that? Sure. Uh, defensive backs. Is that brief enough for you? And wide receivers. A couple wide receivers in there. Couple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he this is not. Backs. If you followed the 2023 season, this is <laughs> the positions of interest are, are not surprises. Edge rusher, wide receiver, defensive backs. Yeah. Um, something to note as well. Like, I mean, we saw nine uh, Alabama players go into the portal within 15 minutes today. Yeah. And that is because the portal officially closes today, but. I thought it was last night. Either way, whether it's last night or today, you you still get five days post bowl game, right? To to enter. So you're still yeah. going. You can still see more guys go into the portal now. It becomes increasingly harder for them to take visits and get to a campus if they want to be involved for the spring. I mean, there's guys that. We know visited UC weeks ago that have not committed anywhere. That I assume are still. I mean, I assume that if they wanted to come to UC, they still could. Um, but they could also potentially be saying, "Okay, I'm going to wait now, kind of see where everything falls, and then after the when it reopens in the spring, more teams might need." a corner because they didn't get one or they went through spring practice and realized we aren't as set at a position as we thought we were. Now that guy still has to go. See, the thing is though, unless he's a grad transfer, he still has got to go to class. You can't at his old school, like you can't just 
which I don't know how that works. Like you can't just be well in bad anymore. You can take two online classes, and I yeah, but I'm just saying like you can't be in bad academic standing, right? Um, and, then, and then enroll in the summer if you didn't do anything in the in the spring or what or whatever. Also, I think people get lost on this a little bit, Dave, and I think it's important to note. Once you're in, you can do it at like you can commit, you can do whatever. Right. Like, it's just a deadline to enter. It's not a deadline to decide. Right. So like if you wait three weeks and all of a sudden, you know, you wait for kind of the chairs to stop moving, you might find yourself in a completely better situation then. Because if a school missed out on your position, now they're going to go back and look over, okay, what else is out there? Maybe I can find something. Not that I'd recommend that. I think, no. what, 12, 12 of the guys that went into the portal from UC are still still there? I think it's more, actually. Is it? I thought yeah. I saw 12 or 13, somebody said well, earlier. Well, but... the one is a crystal ball, not a uh, okay. official. Okay. I mean, here's the thing. Everybody, there's this, like, ru- it's not even a rumor, but it's this, like, statement that is not factually correct that a lot of people throw around of, like, going to find a even going to find a place. No, that is not true. 90% to 95%. I mean, Max Olson at the Athletic has been running this data for since the portal became really a thing. 90 to 95% of guys end up somewhere. Now, that somewhere is probably how much what percentage of that 95% is that somewhere not what they had in mind when they entered the portal. That's right. the question. Like, they're guys just aren't all of a sudden working at you know a logistics company, for instance. Like, <laughs> we're still playing football, but it's probably not what they had in mind when they decided to leave the school that they were at. Well, yeah, I mean, guess what? If you played at UC, somebody at the FCS level is going to take you, worst case scenario. Sure, like, they are going to look at that and say. This guy has ability be, uh, be above and beyond what we normally find. Right. So we'll, we'll take like there's now once you start going continuously farther down the list, those guys have continuously less options because that's how life works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, any other football stuff you want to get to? Um, what would you think of the semifinal games? I mean, I, I don't. It's hard to. I mean, last year's were good, but it's hard to to not call those the two best semifinal games. To, you know, in the same year uh, sure. since the four team playoff. Yeah, I mean, it was they, fun. They both went the. I guess I was. Pretty much on Bama the whole time. I I was still a little bit surprised of that result. I was on Texas early, and then as we got closer to the game, I thought I was more and more thinking that Washington had a shot. Um, but, I mean, I felt when's the last time you saw somebody throw a deep ball as well as Penix throws it? It's Jesus. pretty damn good. And the guy that catches them would look. The one guy that catches them would look pretty damn good in uh orange and black 
in about three months. Do they have better receivers than the Chiefs, like a lot of people are saying? <laughs> they got better receivers than several NFL teams. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I think I think Roma Denze is the best receiver in college football. Um, most people in this state will think I'm absolutely crazy and just hating on Ohio State, but I don't know, man. His game is is I mean, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is a damn stud too, but right. I, I, I love Roma Dunze. Like he's my, and you know this because we've been friends and talking about this forever. Like where I was on Burrow, where I was on Chase. He, I mean, he's the guy that I'm all the way in on right now already. You love Panay Sewell. I, I did. I had no issues with Panay Sewell. <laughs> I just, you know, I just felt that Jamar was a, a better player and a more important piece to put with Burrow. Uh, who, who you got in the title game? Well, do I, I mean, I don't know if you remember this. First, first Bearcat brunch of the year. I said, Michigan. I said, Michigan's the best team in the country and they're going to win the championship. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they are, they're what the number two pass defense in the country and Washington's number one pass offense. So it'll be very interesting because Michigan totally exposed Bama's offensive line and Washington's offensive line was the Joe Moore award winners. Uh, right. which goes to the best offensive line in the country. So that should be an incredible matchup. I think if you looked at the four playoff teams and broke them down offense and defense, Washington's defense would have been the, the lowest rated unit of the of everybody's offense and defense. Right. Now, Michigan's but, offense but, is not wildly right, explosive. But can Michigan, you know, if we get into a game similar to the Texas game, can Michigan go shot for shot with them? Like, I love Michigan's corners. Mikey Sanderstrell is to me like the next Mike Hilton. I think he his game is like just like his. And Will Johnson's an awesome corner. Like, you know. They will they will certainly be able to match up maybe as best as, as anybody can with the with the three Washington receivers. Um you know, but JJ McCarthy, you know, can he go and Michigan's receiving options, can they go shot for shot if this game gets into the 30s, like the Washington Texas game? That's that would be my biggest concern. Is Washington I mean, part of the reason I love watching them so much is that they just throw bombs and don't care. Right. So well, you can do that when your quarterback puts it on the hands of the receiver, no matter where they're at on the field. Yeah. 60 yards down the field. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, they're not going to stop. So, to the detriment or to the betterment, which this year obviously has been much more to the betterment. So, you know. Michigan's going to have to get to him and hold up because they're going to keep throwing it down the field no matter what. I mean, I'm still going to go Michigan because I just, I mean, I think they will, I don't want to go as far as to say like bully the Washington defense, but it they showed me a lot with how they 
with some of the stuff they did to confuse Alabama, get Blake Corm the ball out of the backfield, um, and just the general way that they, you know, were able to move the ball after you know after the first quarter or so, and when they got kind of lucky, the first play of the game was an interception. Yeah, that was uh, very fortunate. I I watched the game. I said this last night. My my best friend's wife's family are all like diehard Michigan fans. So it was it was kind of interesting being in a, you know at a watch party you know a party whatever where everybody else is like diehard and you're kind of indifferent. Yeah, like you're just watching for a good game. They're like living and dying on every play. Yeah, and. I did my I had to bite my tongue a couple times, Dave. <laughs> because her my his wife's mom is, you know, Harbaugh to the core. Yeah. And if you know the history here, we are not so much uh of that ilk uh when it comes to his uh yeah glowing personality and the way he handles business sometimes. Uh, so I had to, I didn't start a fight. Yeah. Which, you know me. That can be difficult at times. I, it was, it was out of uh, kindness for my best friend and his wife. So that <laughs> me and their, and her mom were not, uh, at odds for, for four hours. Yeah. Randy, uh, Randy, Randy brings up a good point going with yeah. Michigan because Rick Minner's on staff. He is, he's now there. He was on staff, but in a analyst type role. Now he is actually their linebackers coach after they fired Chris Partridge, you know, a month yeah. or whatever ago. And obviously his son is the D coordinator who he got friend the of the network in the jungle bump. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right after the week after the show, he was he was on staff or like on on the field, back on the field. Yep. Coincidence. I know there's not this is, there's not openings for them to get. But, like, given everything that's gone on in, at Michigan, how does Sharon Moore and Jesse Minter not get, like, a head coaching opportunity somewhere? Well, what we heard last year was Minter doesn't doesn't apparently want to be a college head coach. He's just going to go to the NFL and coach I mean, maybe he wants to be an NFL head coach, but, I mean, he was around it. Like, I'm sure he saw how yeah. much growing sure. up, like, how little he knew his dad mm -hmm. uh, because because of the job. So maybe he's just yeah. you know, I mean, when, those when be... maybe when Jim goes to the Chargers, he'll hire him as his defensive coordinator. That could also be just rumors that were swirling. Yeah, as I was working, you know, the coaching search of like, do I need Jesse Minner on this hot board? What's mm -hmm. the vibe? The vibe was he wants back in the NFL. Oh, so he wasn't. I, think, I mean, unfortunately, the more and more college athletics and college football, especially, keeps on the path that they're on. And I think for coaches, it's more so the calendar than than NIL or transfer portal. Like, if you just love football, you're these guys are just going to start going to the NFL. Right, if, if you're have, good, if they, if they have that opportunity. Yeah, if you have the chance, that's where you're going to go. Like, December is an absolute nightmare. I couldn't, like, 
Could you imagine being like on staff at Michigan? Like you're trying to win a damn national championship while closing out a recruiting class, while like doing you have to be doing portal work because when your season's over, I mean you're gonna have it's guys. Like yeah. So like, but I just December is such a mess. There has to be some sort of look at that because I mean, think about this too. Next year we go to twelve team playoff. Yep. So we're gonna you're gonna be game planning for your first round playoff game while trying to lock down your twenty twenty five recruiting class and handling the portal. Like how are, how are you supposed to do that? How are you how are you supposed to give you know any to me anything that takes away from trying to win a national championship is a disservice to your program and your school, but then you could also look and say, well then you're not preparing for the future and I'm like these guys shouldn't have to be preparing for the future at the same time that they are right. trying to win a damn title. I don't know how you change the portal. Me personally, and I know a lot of people like Zach Grant would want to punch me in the nose for saying this. I would move signing day to August. I would just it just needs to move out of December, whether it's whether it's the one signing day like it used to be in February or I like to. I think you need a second one in football or it's, because, or it's some or it's some other time, but it can't be in December. Like the portal okay, can't if, move because guys are trying to get it, pick a school to get enrolled. So like you can't just move it because then you're you're taking away that ability. Like there's not moving signing day doesn't change anything. Uh, moving it out of December doesn't change anything for those guys. Like. No, what it does change is the coaches not having to spend an equal amount of time making sure that their recruiting class, that here's what I'm going to get to in a second, that committed mostly in June, right, makes it to December. I mean, I, re I read an article on in The Athletic where they anonymously quoted a lot of the guys. I think it was the Under Armour game. It might have been the um, – the other one, I don't know, but one of the two all-star games asking that question about like, would you like, would you have signed in another time outside December if signing day moved? And I think almost all of them were like, yes, this was my dream school. I've been committed or yes. Right. Like I would have loved to have signed before my senior year. I think one of them said you know, it was nice because my senior year, like, it was important to me. So maybe that guy was injured as a junior or something. Yeah. So it leaves the option open. You could still wait and sign in February if you want to go through your senior year. But, yeah, if a guy camps in June, commits in July, knows that's where he wants to go, why does he have to wait till December? And why do the coaches have to sit there and, like, keep recruiting right. him? through a, maybe an incredible senior year. Or or how about this, Dave? We just move it to the same exact day that the basketball signing day is. Yeah. Third Wednesday in November or second Wednesday in November. It's just – You got a week. It's Go totally 
it's totally unfair to these coaches and staff guys and everyone can anyone can say yeah well they make a ton of money well yeah they do but they're also in charge of the school you're rooting for so if you're rooting for a team that's in the playoff next year wouldn't you want their sole focus to be on winning the national championship right and not you know having high school visits in the first couple of weeks of December still before signing day right like, where they have to hit the road they have to hit the road they're going to they're going to bump the calendar up a week to make all this work so week 0 will now become week 1 and week 0 will be even further into August right so where conference championship games right now are the first week in December they are going to be Thanksgiving weekend so that next weekend after conference championship games when the 12-team playoff has been decided and there are first round playoff games there will also be high school official visits think about how insane that is yeah. you see you know 20 use 2021 as an example you see would have been hosting a first round playoff game or maybe they had a buy i don't know how exactly how it would have worked out back then well so getting ready for that while also hosting official visitors i mean they could choose not to but who the hell is going to not host official visitors when they when they have a uh first round playoff game on their campus like can you think of a better time to host recruits no so they're going to be doing both at the same time next year yeah like that's yeah. just dumb. it's flat dumb again clearly no one is thinking about this stuff when they put this stuff together and and the reason that i said coaching staffs won't recruiting departments won't like this is is you would be getting guys uh signed that you didn't get to see their senior tape sure. and the staff loves senior tape well guess what you know what the early signing period becomes these are the guys we know like we are certain yeah that... you don't have to take this like yeah the, you know if that were the case i think that most teams or or some teams would just not take as many summer commitments right you know you come to our camp but... you you had a great junior year you meet all our height weight speed stuff you had a, and then you come to our camp and you had a great camp then yeah, we're probably going to take your commitment. But you know, you're a fringe guy. We want to see your. We like you a lot. We we offered you, but we want to see like, are you tapped out, or do you take the, another step from your junior right. to senior year? I'm not going to take your commitment. Now that means everybody is fair game all the way to February. But <clears throat> but so be it. I say doesn't. I don't see okay. any other way that this thing works without yeah. moving well, the high school date. Here is why the high school date is where it is. It's because schools didn't host official visit weekends. They weren't allowed to host them in the summer. One. Right. That was closed. You couldn't do what is happening now if you wanted to under the old calendar. The way the old calendar worked, you don't want to bring a fit like a, you know, eight official visitors in during a game weekend because you're busy trying to win a football game. I mean, we've seen, I mean, this is not, a, I'm sure it's everywhere thing. Like it's everywhere. Nobody has, no one really has guys come in during games anymore. Right. 
you might... you'll, have the, you'll have the younger you'll have the younger guys because it's those more are unofficial unofficial and you're just trying to build the relationship and have them come right. see a game but like yeah you're gonna have your like best players and all your coaches out to dinner on friday night before a game Right. Or you're going to make them all, you're going to make the kid come in and, and his family wait to go to dinner until after everybody's done at the field yeah. on Saturday. Depending right. on play, what the kickoff is. You play a seven o'clock, eight o'clock night game. Right. And then we're, what are we, we're supposed to like entertain and host this kid and his family at, at midnight. Or you're supposed to spend all afternoon before hosting that. the kid and his family right. before that. Um, so they would have the official visits as soon as the regular season ended. There would be like two or three, depending on the calendar that year, weekends where you would have all your high school kids into official visits. They opened up June for official visits. So kids are, are taking their decision-making official visits in June, committing in June or early July, and then nothing from them until December. Why couldn't you, the second Tuesday in August is signing day or whatever. And the kids that, that you're locked in on that, that visited in June and are committed to your program, they sign. They're in. Mm -hmm. You know what? You know what? Like one of the advantages of signing early or like once you sign, once you sign, you can start officially communicating with the strength and conditioning coordinator, with the coaching staff in terms of like instruction you and like you can come to campus whenever you want. Right. So what would be the harm in having kids sign before their senior season and basketball, like I said, second Tuesday in November, they've played like one game, one yeah, high school if, game. If that, that some of them there's yeah. right. There's no senior tape. Like it's it's the exact same window, basically that I'm proposing, right before the start of the season, get it out of the way, and then those kids that don't want to be bothered with it, because they want to compete and win a state championship or or you know make strides their senior year, they're locked in, they're good, it's done. They don't have to worry about getting dropped. They like it. Yeah, I mean, can, you, can you imagine like how annoying that has to be if like if you committed and you re and you you're like you're like I'm not wavering and you just keep getting correspondence the whole phone calls emails I mean tweets texts I would just be like God I, you know you could tell them to stop but like that's the nature of the sport is to not right. You know, unfortunately, you know, basketball and football are different, it seems like, in that regard. Basketball, it seems like once you commit, then it's done unless you unless you reopen. Unless you reopen, yeah. Football, it's like, oh, he committed. Now let's go harder. <laughs> well, in football, the philosophy, the thought process is once we commit, once they commit, we know who our competition is. Yeah. So... Uh, any any bowl game thoughts from the Big 12? We haven't really talked since all the games were played. Mm. I'm trying to think if anything really... They went five and four, I think it was. Really stuck out. Well, Oklahoma's loss doesn't count. They're an SEC team. 
Well, yeah, the, that was a big 12 over SEC win, that game. Yeah. Yeah, Arizona over Oklahoma. Yeah, that's yeah. a big 12 win over the SEC. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Kansas State, North Carolina State, Pop-Tart Bowl will go down in in leg- legendary status. Right. Um, did you see that you could uh, buy the Cheez-It Bowl hot tub on eBay? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I guess it's not really a bowl take as much as it is a bowl into 2024 take. And that is that my very early, extremely unresearched opinion is that I think Oklahoma State will be the preseason number one, voted preseason number one in the Big 12 next year. Okay. So, I mean, considering all the guys they have coming back, considering who's leaving the conference at some of the other schools that that finished uh, near the top, no, I do worry that it's it's the opposite of the, you know, usually Mike Gundy. No, he's all he's pretty much always been good, but they usually have re- their really good seasons are when they are not expected to be good. So how will it go when maybe they are expected to be good? Yeah. But I mean, it's hard to it's hard to look past them when you have your quarterback, uh, your running back. And you know your star running back and your receiver, who's likely going to break almost every or every Oklahoma State receiving record, all three coming back, um, and a lot of your main pieces on defense are also coming back. I can't tell you what they've done in the portal or any or anything like that, but you know, <clears throat> Iowa State should also be really, really good. I mean, yep. they were heavy freshmen this year. Yeah, they were they were they were young. Although their sec their whole secondary is pretty much gone. Yeah. Which was definitely something that they leaned on throughout the season. Yeah, but but Abu Sama is a freak too. That is my good backs in this league. That is my big 12. Oh yeah. I mean that is my Big 12 bowl slash, you know, very, very, very early thought for next year. All right. Let's uh, let's timestamp that right there. And uh, this timestamp is brought to you by Turtles Brew. Zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free, 6% ABV. It's a bourbon-infused sweet tea. They have lemonade tea, cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange, vanilla, strawberry mint. There's 100 locations in and around the state of Ohio. If you want to find the one closest to you, all you have to do is go to turtlesbrew.com. You can get all the information and locations there. A A portion of the proceeds go to save the sea turtles. And uh, let, let's also get into uh, – oh, that's the wrong one. There we go. 
Uh, let's go to our next one, which is uh, Talking Big 12 Basketball with our good friends at Team Ticker. You can see it right there. TeamTicker.com. I've got the C-Paul. Aaron has the uh, the Bearcat. Um, so does Dave, supposedly. Yes, somewhere. Somewhere. Uh, it's a local company started by two UC alumni. It's easy to hang. Takes five minutes. LED backlighting. It's perfect for your fan cave. It's perfect for a dorm room. It's perfect for a gift. Uh, maybe you got some of that uh, good old Christmas gift card money. Those uh, those those prepaid credit cards or whatever it is. All you have to do is go to TeamTicker.com, and if you enter code BCJ at checkout. You get 50% off your purchase. They're in all the suites at, at Fifth Third Arena. It is an awesome, awesome product. All right, Dave. Um, let's let's do a fun exercise. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna talk Big 12 basketball. All right. I have my BYU Cougars info pulled up on my second screen here. All right, we will get to the BYU game uh, in just a moment. I want to I want to talk Big Twelve before we get to uh, uh, the game. I'm going to ask you if you notice a trend. Okay, probably not. Let's talk <laughs> remaining strength of schedule uh, in all of college basketball in America. I'm going to guess that they're all Big Twelve teams because they play each other. Uh, number one, who do you think is number one? Um, Baylor. No, I, I, Baylor is number three in strength of schedule. Okay. Remaining. Iowa State is one. Okay. UCF is two. Oh, oh sorry for those guys. Yeah. Uh, Baylor is three. Texas is four. Oklahoma five. Houston when do we, six. What, what number is the first non big 12? I'm more interested in that. Who's the first non big 12 team? We'll get there in a minute. Seven is Cincinnati. Is Seven is Cincinnati. Eight TCU. Nine Kansas. Ten West Virginia. Eleven Kansas State. Twelve Texas Tech. Thirteen Oklahoma, and fourteen BYU. So literally, the top fourteen teams of remaining are just the Big Twelve. I mean, I know the it's, conference is good, but like nobody, no, no one could crack that. Nope. I mean, the how, top about B- court- how about BYU, man? Just yeah, roll and, right. and then gets the easiest of the hard. <laughs> <laughs> one seed. Here comes the one seed. They might still lose six, seven, eight games but with the fourteenth schedule, right? But who they yeah who who they beat? So yeah, um, that's crazy. That's stupid. I mean, it is, but but when you really think about it, it isn't because like it's not. But to see it in my point, to see it in that form, right? Because even if even the best teams in the other conferences, like they're still playing three, four, five games against not bad teams, but like not anywhere near right some someone that's going to keep you in the top ten of a strength of schedule. Everybody's in the top one hundred, but West Virginia. And it feels who, like who almost is, everybody's in the top 50. Who has the 15th uh, hardest remaining schedule? I don't know. I don't have that in front of me. Oh, so you only know the big 12s? 
Somebody put a graphic of it on Twitter. Uh, oh, okay. Tip to D Dylan Coon, DP Coon. I, I, would, I would like to know who's who is the first non Big Twelve team. Oh. Yeah. Good luck. This should be a fun One. couple months. <laughs> One through fourteen. One through fourteen of the remaining. Samuel Jackson said, "Hold on to your butts." I mean, my God, just brutal, just brutal. I mean, I guess there is a silver lining in that, like, if if and when they lose, like, it's not a bad loss. You just go, oh, they, they yeah. lost to a good team. <laughs> every night is a chance at a signature win. Yeah, so any win is a, is a good win, and every loss is just like, oh, we just got beat by a good, a good team. The hope is it doesn't. That, yeah, you don't have to try to talk your way, you know, around it. Right. The hope is you don't you don't do that twelve times. Right. Uh, yeah. Praising the other team. Well, eight we got times, beat by a better team. Eight times is fine. Yeah, you, you do it eight times. You, oh, they go ten and eight. Things went really well because <laughs> these first six ain't going to be a lot of fun. Well, I can um, say that now, but you never know. You never know. But the the other thing we did go three and three, then it would I think it would be pretty fun. Um damn, that's not on here. This was this was via BPI. I was gonna look and see. I mean, the thing is, outside of Kansas, there ain't many teams in this league that have a lot of meat on the boat. Well, that's something I was looking at today, kind of just like looking at schedules and results and, and I know that can be a fool's errand sometimes but like I felt like I saw a lot of resumes that were similar to UC's like a lot of 11 and 2 and one or two of the losses were to the two best teams you played um, Kansas's resume is frankly hilariously spectacular when you you know when you look at it at this point um but yes, I, I, you know, we we talked a lot about oh the Big Twelve is winning a lot of games, but then when you look at Oklahoma and even a team that I really like in Baylor, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, Oklahoma's whatever eleven and two or something, Baylor, Iowa State, like all these teams have lost one or two games, and it's like, yeah, they kind of just beat all the teams they're supposed to and lost to the ones that they are either even with or. Or maybe you know a little a little behind. You know what these these people also might know, Dave, that do these schedules. They might be aware that from January first through the middle of March, uh, each of the fourteen teams will play a tougher conference schedule than <laughs> anyone else in the world. Yeah. Like if you don't think that plays a part in the way that conference schedules are going to be done. Wait until they go to 20 next year, Dave. Oh, yeah. And you have 20 games against this league. I mean, I wouldn't – I would not, like, outside of Xavier, like, I know people probably wouldn't like this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave the city of Cincinnati and I wouldn't play anybody. Like, I would try to find the teams that either – Made it to the tournament from the smaller conferences, or 
won their conference regular season but didn't win their conference tournament. And those are the only teams I would play. I would not care a lick about playing a bunch of, like, super hard uh, non-conference well, games. Eventually, UC is going to be in a challenge game or two. Sure. You know, Big 12 challenges. Or There's you're going to be bigger. You're not going to turn down a – an invite to, you know, Maui Paradise, or Diamond Maui Head or Paradise, Paradise Jam. Right? Yeah. yeah. But outside of that, I am not leaving Cincinnati. And I'm not going to U.S. Bank Arena or Heritage Bank Arena or whatever it is either. No. But that's just, that's just me. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I mean, uh, so you're a Baylor guy when you look at this league. Well, right now, I mean, I was, and I still really, really like them, but it's hard not to just think Kansas is going to do Kansas things again. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to to look past uh, four, four of their starting five and just be like, damn, that's a really, really good four. Right. I mean, I love. KJ Adams might be my favorite player in the country. Him, McCullers, Hunter Dickens, like they're freaking. I mean, that's the ridiculous three guys right there. Right. And, and you know, the, I'm not a they, big Hunter Dickinson guy, but he doesn't have to be like the the single centerpiece of this team. No, and he, but he still can. Like, but he still gives you that every right. night. My and, problem is, I've told you, I just don't know that he's a winner, like right. in crunch time of games. But on this team, he doesn't have to be. They don't are, have are to we, throw him we, as ball, are, the ball. Are we starting to maybe wonder if that's more of a Juwan Howard thing than a Hunter Dickinson thing? Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, but like my concern going in was like he played with two NBA level players last year at Michigan and they didn't make the tournament. Like, yeah. So yeah, that could be a Jawan Howard thing. Uh, maybe maybe that'll be where I was. Uh, my read on Hunter Dickinson was was wrong in that it was actually a read on Jawan Howard. Um, yeah. but I, the league itself, man, like terrified. I'm not as. I don't. Am I crazy to say I'm not as terrified of Houston as I have been in the past couple of years? No, I I feel I mean they're obviously still one of I think what four or five undefeated teams. Three. They're one of the three remaining. I don't necessarily. I'm, I'm not saying three. they're not good. I don't. Oh no, I'm right. I just I don't look at them quite in the same way I've looked at them the last two years because I just don't see that. Um that outside threat like that with like they had with Sasser, like they had with Davis, like they had with Quentin Grimes. Um and I'm not sure they're as deep on the interior either they're where not. they can just throw five five guys at you and accumulate twenty fouls and not have to worry about it. Yeah. And maybe Maybe Calvin Sampson will but, show he can do it a little bit different way this year. And and that's, I mean, that's ultimately the roster just doesn't look like it's looked in the, the past two seasons. 
that looks considerably different. So it's not that I sure. don't think they're and, good. And I, they're I think, obviously yeah. Look, very good. Looking, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, their their metrics are great. Their records obviously great. They you know they have some nice wins. They obviously beat the two teams we didn't beat. So that's that's one way to look at it. Um, right. But you know, looking looking at the league, every road game is going to be nearly impossible to win. I don't care if you're talking about Houston or you're talking about West Virginia. You're gonna have right. to play some of your best basketball to win on the road. At home, though, outside of Houston, Kansas, and Baylor, then I think UC would still, regardless of it being at home, they'd still need to play some great basketball to win. I don't look at, like, I mean, the records are gaudy. I mean, and UC's is one of them at 11-2. and two. There are, Houston's undefeated. BYU, Kansas, and Oklahoma have one loss. And then there are one, two, three, four, five, six teams with two losses. I don't look at any of those teams and say at home that, like, we should win that game. Kansas State, like, they're struggling yeah. right now, but they're still <clears throat> potentially really good. Yeah, Kansas State has three losses, but, like, Texas Tech, Texas, TCU, Iowa State, like, Oklahoma's got one loss. Like, I don't know if we play them at home or on the road, but, like, the Bearcats should be able to, for the most part, protect home court. You need to get out of there with a vast majority being wins and then go try to steal some on the road, steal two or three on the road. What do you think they like to make the tournament hypothetically? Yeah. How many of the nine do you have to think they get at home? Uh, well, I guess the better question is how many are they going to get on the road? And I'll tell you how many they got to get at home. That's why I'm asking how many do they have to get at home? Seven. Because I think if they two, get two, two or wins more on the road, on the road they, be a monster. Right. If you get two or more on the road, I think you're okay. Yeah. Now, I don't have their full schedule in front of me to go game by game and say, you know, these are the two they get on the road that, you know, at West Maybe Virginia, at, at UCF probably doesn't help you a ton. But if you're still but nine, it gives you two road Right. If you're still nine and nine in the conference and you're eleven and two and you're twenty and eleven going into the conference tournament and you win a game, you're in the tournament. Yeah. You might be in the tournament at twenty and twelve if you lose in the first round of the conference tournament. Like West Virginia made the tournament last year. Now I don't know what their non conference schedule was, but they made the tournament with a losing Big Twelve record as a like eight or nine seed. So they yeah. it wasn't even in doubt that they were gonna make the tournament. All right, here's your road games, Dave. At BYU, at Baylor, at Kansas are the first three. That's a fun first three. <laughs> the like next three, though. Literally the worst three you could probably draw up outside of maybe Houston. Yeah. Yeah, at BYU, at Baylor, at Kansas are the first three. Uh, the next three, at West Virginia at Texas Tech, at UCF. Yeah, I mean, if you get two of those three, at that point in the season, I think you're feeling okay about things. And then the last three are almost as tough as the first three, at TCU, at Houston, at Oklahoma. 
See, I don't know. If the, I wouldn't say they're even close to as tough as the first three. Like, I, Houston's I number think, one. I think Oklahoma and TCU, not, I'm not going to say fraudulent, but like their records are very, their, their resumes are very similar to UC's. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but those are still two of metrically two very, very good teams. Sure. So there's your there's your nine road games broken up into three game segments. Yeah. The first three, oh daddy, oh buddy. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really <laughs> loving the first three. <laughs> At least you get them out of the way, right? Gonna gonna be gonna be some interesting spreads on those. You're done with them by. Uh, by the night or the 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 twenty second of January, uh, you will you won't have to play Kansas, Baylor, or BYU on the road. Do we get Actually, any of them at home? No. So they're the they're the only we were one one game against all three of them. Yeah, they do not have Baylor. Here are the home games: Texas. TCU, Oklahoma, then... Yeah, I think that actually works in our favor. I think that I, gives I, us I a better too. chance to win more, more, maybe more than seven. Like, if we don't have to play two of the teams that I think are two of the three best in the conference, like, because I already said, home or road, regardless, like, you're going to have to play a really, really good game yeah. to beat them. Well, if we don't have to play them, and that doesn't really hurt us. Like it's not like in the AAC where it's like, oh my god, if we're not playing, you know, the best right. teams twice, we're super screwed. So here are the next three: UCF at home, Houston at home, Iowa State at home, and then the final three home games are Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and West Virginia. I mean, those are three great. As a as things stand on January third, yeah, that's you couldn't drop a better three end last home games to try to like, hey, we need to win, or we need to like kick it into high gear. Like, I wouldn't ask right. for anything different right now. Josh, if they go two and four over these first six games, I might kiss Dave on the mouth. You might catch something for from it, but. Sure. <laughs> I didn't say I would kiss Dave on the mouth. I might kiss Dave on the mouth. Yeah, because I but, mean, like, who, who, you know, name the two wins, and I'd be like, yeah, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, like, just who are the who are the three first home games? Texas and who else? Texas, TCU, Oklahoma. All right, yeah. So beat two of those three teams. Texas, January 9th, TCU, January 16th, Oklahoma, January 20th. Yeah. Keegan might not want to go to the TCU game. Why? What's what's up with the TCU game? It's 90s night, and he has to sit next to me. Oh. And he does not know any, any 90s music. Do you want me to cover the game on his behalf? I mean... I don't mind it, but it's probably going to be his personal hell is what yeah. I'm getting at. 
Like so I, I just, am going can I, to be can having... I get a can I get a media credential just to sit there and sing <laughs> sing songs with you? Maybe. If Brent's not coming that night, maybe we'll get you Brent's spot and uh you can sing along. All right. I am going it's to the be Houston, torture for the I am going time. to the Houston game. Nice. Nice. But yeah, um, I, the home schedule, like, uh, I mean, saying they're going to win them all is a stretch. You got to play great all night in and night out in this league. But, like, outside of Houston, I don't look at that and go, there's no game that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably a loss. Right. Regardless of how, you know, regardless of right. how we play. And the way they've played Houston the past couple of years, like, the one thing that's different about Houston is they are not an, a, a great unknown. Right. You know exactly what, like, you you, you know, know what you, you're getting into. Can Now, the question is always, can you rise yeah. to the occasion and match it? And but, like, you're not, credit, they, they've gotten closer over the past two years. They haven't gotten over no, the home. There will be no surprises. No. So that one, at least, like, if that's the one, like, you know, you take the top three. If you think the top three are Houston, uh, Kansas, and Baylor, you take the one that you know the best, and that's the one you get at home. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm just, I'm very excited to see just the overall fan reaction and just the the excitement of just night in and night out there. This is a, a high level college basketball game. Right. And how much does UC feed off of that? You know what? I think we've kind of forgotten Dave because there just, there wasn't enough of it, even in the big 12, like, you know, Sasser and, and some of those guys from Houston got national recognition, but right. there was never like, it, it's, it's been since the big East where like the biggest names in college basketball are in your gym regularly. I mean, I still remember in the big East when Syracuse was number one and came to the shoe and we lost the game, but played, played pretty damn well up until the end if i remember correctly like it was just a wild a wild atmosphere like that was yeah, back was, in, was, in the in the big head days and, and it was sun. big monday yeah i mean so i mean i just i just think you, you get kind of desensitized to that when you spend 10 years playing tulsa and east carolina i mean you right know, and i don't mean to continuously shit on them but like I mean, I, I mean, obviously family things changed as well, but like it became very hard for me to justify having season tickets and going to a Tuesday night game or Thursday night game at nine o'clock to watch UC a very like, you know, maybe a little bit better than average UC team beat, you know, try to beat up on, you know, ECU. Like it's. Dave, there, I mean, as recently as two years ago, like we would sit here and, and try to convince ourselves that like Jaden Gardner mm -hmm. was a problem. Yeah. And he was very good play. Yeah. Sure. Very good play. But 
Like, he's coming off the bench in the Big 12 at most places. So that part is going to be transferred, He transferred to Virginia and was was just a nice piece on their team. Yes. Where he's a first-team all-conference guy in the AAC. Right. On a not-great Virginia team. Yeah. He didn't go to Virginia, Virginia, like – no, not national, national championship. not national championship, Virginia. So, it's as as a fan, the experience is going to remind, like, it's going to take you back a decade. Uh, also, if they don't start defending the other team's best player or two better, uh, you are going to be tired of seeing some of the best players in the country come into Fifth Third Arena. Ugh. That part. That part yeah, just sticks take, in it's my gonna crawl, take you man. back. It's gonna take you take you back to Nick's first year. <laughs> right. Right. You're gonna you're gonna circle back to 06, I'm, 07, I'm, 08. I'm mainly joking because we are way better than we were then, but we are also, you know, I think everybody understands stepping up <clears throat> considerably on, on the night in night out level. Yeah. Like, because I mean, um, like, how many games over the last, and even when Nick, even when Nick was there and we had good teams, like, how many games did, did we win 58 54 that, uh, you know, you play like that against some of these teams and you're losing, you know, 83 to 60? Do I, do I get 20 year old Rashad Bishop? Because that's why they stayed alive in a lot of those Big East games is because they had Rashad where they could say, okay, this guy is going to the NBA next year. Take care of him. And Rashad took care of him. Like, they did not get torched by the best player on those no. those teams. No, we um, – yeah, Right we... now, man, it's like it's almost like, like if, if there were props for like – Will the best player on the other team hit their scoring average? Bet the <laughs> over every time. Every time. Yeah. So, uh, BYU. What have you learned about BYU? Tomorrow, we're, I'm actually, as I was, as you were talking, I was texting, uh, recording with Chris Lepore tomorrow. Okay. Afternoon. So what, what, what did I learn about BYU? I learned that um, they're they're good. <laughs> they have some hilarious statistics. I'm trying to figure out which one I find the most comical. Is it the seven guys that average at least nine points a game? Is it the eleven guys that average at least twelve minutes a game? Or is it that their three leading scorers are also their three leading three-point shooters who are all averaging over 41% from three while taking more all taking more than 70 attempts so far this year? Mm-hmm. That one might be my favorite. Is like our three best players are also our three best three-point shooters, and they all take a lot of threes, and they're still shooting over 41%. Once at like 49%, isn't it? On high volume. Uh, not one of the not one of those guys. Okay. They're 41, 4, 43, 1, and 42, 9. I mean, they got one guy shooting 67%, but I he's probably two for three. 
Yeah, I know there was a guy that took a decent number that was like that, that's some stupid. Yeah, percentage. but I mean, all three of their best put, all three of their leading scorers are shooting over forty-one percent. Like, yeah, that's that's ridiculous on at least seventy attempts, all of them. And they all shoot over all three of those. Are actually, their their top one, two, three, four, five, six. Their top six scores all shoot over seventy-one percent from the free throw line. So our our little issue of fouling shooters probably needs to end uh, now. Fouling shooters at all needs to end. Well, especially this game. Yes, (laughs) don't foul anybody. Um, (laughs) And and defensively, they're just huge. Like they, they pack it in. They know they have the length to contest you on the wings. Um, they, they don't, you know, the, fundamentally, they don't really get beat off the bounce a whole lot. Like you're, yeah. you're, here's the scary part. You're probably going to have to shoot over them to open up the defense. Oh yeah. And they've got, they've got two guards averaging four and a half and almost six rebounds a game. Yeah. Well, by the metrics, uh, UC is the number one rebounding team in the country, and BYU is number two. So that's going to be pretty fascinating. The thing that you know is impressive about BYU and their their offensive rebounding rate—they don't really miss. Teams that that make that rate generally don't send a lot of guys to the glass because they don't have to, right? Like right. they're they're not losing an advantage. They don't have to go get a ton of offensive rebounds because they're a team that misses shots, but they go get the, the few that they miss, they go get them. Yeah. I mean, they've got 181 offensive rebounds on the year yeah, through, thir- is, through 13 games. Top 12 in the country, I think in offensive rebounding percentage. It does. Like I said, the number doesn't look like a lot, Dave. But they don't miss shots. Right. If you're shooting so, 40, you know, as an entire team, they are shooting 50% from the field. Yeah. And what from For, three? 39.2 and 38% from three. For, as an entire team. Right. So they don't have a lot of rebounds, to, offensive rebounds to get. And they still go get them relentlessly. No, you're shooting 49% from the field, 73% from the line, and 38% from three. 22 and, and a half assists a game to un, a little under 10 turnovers a game. And, and I don't have to say this. This is Captain Obvious. You know, it's even more demoralizing when a team shoots like that from the floor. And then when they do miss, they get, they the rebound. get an offensive rebound. And now you got another 20 seconds. You have to stand and defend this team that puts it in the bucket at an elite clip. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking here. Their top, like we talked about, their top three scorers. Their leading scorer, half of his field goal makes are threes. Yep. Their number two scorer, about 60 something percent of his makes are threes. And their number three score is even a higher percentage of his makes or threes. 
So, and we've been, you know, we have been a pretty good three-point defensive team, or at least we were early in the season. I don't know how much that's changed with a couple of losses. The percentage is still pretty good. I mean, Xavier's the only one, Dayton to a lesser extent. Xavier's the only one that really kind of... Dayton, in the, especially in the second half, they didn't have to shoot threes because they just right. shot. Um, they still took a couple, but the, it, you know their percentage. Yeah. When you look at when you're looking at percentages, their percentage wasn't right. abnormal. Um, right. I mean, you got three guys that over fifty percent of their makes are from three, and the ball pops like like they move the ball. They do not do a lot off the dribble. A lot. Most of their action is via the pass. Well, maybe that'll help us because we haven't really done a great job. Well, if they watch the tape, they'll probably dribble more than normal. <laughs> they'll, they'll probably dribble a couple times. More than they'll, they'll dribble like four times a possession instead of two. Mm-hmm. But they're, you know, that, that's they're one of those teams that the way that their system works is is predicated on, you know. So what do they play like and, pack line defense? I don't know what. It sound from what I've talked to people about, it sounds like pack line principles because they know they have the size, like they can get out and contest yeah. um a three and still have three guys home at the rim that have great size. Mm-hmm. Uh they're they're what the, the, the oldest team in the country, the number well, one shooting I mean, team in the I'm country. Sure they're the oldest team in the country every year. Yeah, well, even to, for the fact that they're the oldest team in the country and COVID is still like, you know, the, the COVID year is still very much a thing. You would think somebody would have a roster to, you know, they mined the portal for six-year guys, took the old uh, uh, get old, stay old a little uh, overzealously. And, <laughs> a, li- uh, a little too, liter- a little too <laughs> literally. But BYU still oldest team in the country yeah yeah i mean you're looking at six seven six five six eleven uh six five and they play a couple bigs and six five is the starter so you got three six five guys a six seven guy and a six eleven guy and then I think they go 6-10, quickly off the bench. Yeah. Um, kudos to Mark Pope, man. Like, oh, found yeah. a niche. Has has seemed like he put in a pretty good plan, pretty good system. If you don't know, they, they were, nine, what, I think, 19 and 15 last year and uh, and lost in the NIT. They kept most of their roster together, and now they got it rolling. Sometimes it takes a little time to build. I'm just saying. What, what do you I'm think the saying. spread's going to be? What does Ken Palm say? Do you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have. I do not have uh, access to that element of Ken Palm. Um, eight and a half. I mean, UC is still a metrically a top top forty Ken Palm team. Yeah, 
I do think I think that place first Big Twelve game. Like I think it's that I've heard nothing but awesome things about the atmosphere in that arena. Well, I would it's imagine the, it's the, is it the is it it's the largest arena in the conference? It has to be. So. I mean, it seats, it seats over so. twenty, like right at twenty thousand, like yeah, right or, or more. 000. Yeah, it's got it's eighteen or nineteen thousand. I mean, most of our league is you know college campus, similar, you know. 11, 11, 12, 13, or, or less. So. 18,987 seats. Yeah. Is it still the Marriott Center? Yep. I mean, just looking at a picture, it looks massive. Mm-hmm. Going to be tough, Dave. If it's, yeah. if it's If it's eight and a half, how hard are you hammering the line? <laughs> pr- pr- pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> pretty hard. Uh, I mean, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the thing that worries me, like like we have seen this Cincinnati team give up runs, where the defense just cannot turn off the faucet. And BYU will put BYU will put a pair of 15 three runs on you in a half. Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't think I'm saying anything that anybody listening to this hasn't seen. It's like we've talked about them being a, a really good offensive team, and we've talked about and watched UC have their struggles on the defensive end against the two best teams on the schedule. I feel pretty confident in saying BYU is as good or better than Xavier and Dayton. Uh, you might have, you could have put a, maybe a, a Xavier Dayton all-star team together. That's not, that wouldn't be playing as well as BYU is that, playing right hey, now. That's my point is like, am I, am I to expect that we will right our defensive wrongs on the road at, 10 o'clock Eastern time against a team on a Saturday playing, night playing excellent offense uh, in their first big 12 conference game. Like I feel like that's probably not a likely thing to look for. Who also metrically has a top 10 defense waiting for you on the other end. Well, yeah, because when you make half your shots, Guess what the other team is doing? Playing against a set defense almost yep. half the time. <laughs> Probably right. more than half when you when you count in yeah, free, free throws. throws. Like, yeah. I mean, I'd love to know the possessions, how many possessions the other teams have had against BYU that did not come after either a made basket or a made free throw. Right. It's going to be tough. It's, it's going to be a late Saturday night. Yeah, there's... Will Will da- the real bet is will David be awake for the entire game? <laughs> well, I think that that like depending on the halftime score, that'll tell if it's if it's 32 31 at halftime, you're gonna you're gonna at least be like if we hold him to 32 points in the first half, I'll drive over to your house and kiss you on the mouth. <laughs> 
Not at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. I mean, hey, beggars can't be choosers, buddy. <laughs> Miss America ain't walking through that door. You take what you can get. I'm not even, <laughs> not even going to go there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a tall task. Here's what I, here's what I, I think is important. You, for, for strictly, uh, confidence, you have got to come out of there feeling okay about yourself with Texas looming Tuesday. Yeah. Just, just don't get boat raced. Right. Just, just don't. Just don't give me like a 86-60 game. Right. Where it's it's 15 at halftime, 17 at halftime, and the entire second half, we're all just like. Yeah. I don't want to do this. <laughs> right. You uh you got anything else? About basketball? I, I don't believe I do. It, Sports in general, Dave. Sports, sports in general. No, I, I, you I don't. Want to talk some sporty ball? Some, some sporty ball. Uh, no, I don't think I have anything else. Do you? Nope. That was that was the stuff I wanted to get to. That's you know that's the beauty of how this show works. We have the stuff we want to get to, and we get to it, and then we tell you good night. Yep. Sometimes it takes. More time than usual. Sometimes it takes less time than usual. Today, pretty good, I think, Dave. Pretty good. Yep. I, I am just excited to, like, have, you know, I, you know, obviously I'm on this platform, I am more the football person, but I certainly was. You know, and will always be, you know, a diehard basketball fan. But it will, it will Absolutely. be fun now to, to again be able to just be like, oh, these two teams in the Big Twelve are playing. I'm going to watch that game. Right. You didn't do that with the American. You never, you never cracked a Cincy light with uh, Temple and Tulsa. You know, coming on ESPN Ocho. I'm sure at some point I, I did, but. Um, <laughs> It was it was probably more out of uh, comedic relief than than truly wanting right. to watch the basketball. Or game. or you wanted to see uh, honorary AAC Coach of the Year Fran Dunphy. Fran Dunphy, uh, yep. Back in the day, mm -hmm. um, who by the way is still coaching at LaSalle, right? Yeah, I think so. He cannot leave the he cannot leave the Big Five or whatever they call no. it. He just made it clear. I'm not moving out of Philly. He's I'm not, not leaving. He's not, I'm not leaving. Leave. So may, maybe when when Villanova continues to spit the bit, maybe they'll hire him next. Hey, Fran would be great at Nova, Dave. Great. <laughs> or Penn. I think wasn't he already at Penn or something? Yeah. Before yeah, Temple. Like yeah. Yeah. So like he's he's been at three of the five. He just hasn't been at Nova and Duquesne. Duquesne. All right, that's going to do it. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. He is Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks to producer extraordinaire Aaron Smith. That is the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.